Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me most places on the internet at j.sudrose. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, Today, we are finishing our journey through the main series with books 53 and 54, The Answer and The Beginning. Um, That should have been a clue. I feel like that should have been a clue. (laughs) Here we are, at the end of all things, at the edge of our oblivion. Yeah. Etc. Etc. Yeah. Um coming to you live, well not live, <laughs> from Danielle's living room. You know, like you do. Like you do. Um before we uh get into things, mm. some book specific content warnings besides, you know, all of the regular Animorphs content warnings. Uh include major character death, uh discussion of Discussion of genocide by assimilation, uh, genocide, uh, knowingly throwing a bunch of troops into a meat grinder. Yeah, I think that covers it. I Uh, mean, there wasn't a more concise way to uh, (laughs) uh, willful disregard of the life of comrades and allies. Yeah. Oh, removal of agency. Yeah. Like um, distinct emotional manipulation. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that's definitely happening. Um, some pretty distinct uh, depictions of like PTSD mm-hmm. and depression. Yep. Uh, the war ends and it's bad. The war ends and it's super bad, <laughs> actually. Uh, we should also refer to the subtitle of Animorphs 53 and 54, which is Animorphs The War Crimes Edition. <laughs> because, yes, there have been war crimes before, uh, but here we are, and this is uh, inescapable to the point where, hey, we're going to go to The Hague in these books, and somebody does rightfully call out some of the stuff that happens, like, yes... What this one did is bad. Nobody is arguing this, but also uh, this guy here also did a really bad heckin' war crime. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting us to go to the actual Hague in these books. I gotta <laughs> say, I really appreciate that at the end, it's just like, we're going to really ground this in reality by having somebody on trial for war crimes. Jake is not on trial for war crimes. He's just called out during said trial. You know, you know, seventeen-year-old, like you do. Yeah. Uh. So, um, Jade is here with me in in real space, uh, because I felt like they needed to to maybe have some company for when they yeah. read these last two books. Yeah, I sat reading these between uh, Danielle basically on one side and Shrug on the other. Um. It was not as vocal as it might have been, but there were definitely a couple of moments, uh, much to the delight of my audience. Um, <laughs> I did not throw anything. Uh-huh. 
Um, it's one of those things where I think just having the crushing reality of everything happen at once and just being able to talk it out right away mm-hmm. was very gratifying. Of course, now Danielle has been able to send me everything they've been sitting on <laughs> for the past three. So unfortunately, now I have a bunch of thick and uh, fix it. Uh, are you? <laughs> so I now have to just try and make to sure to keep distinct <laughs> from the actual events. Uh, but it's good. Now, please feel free to send me uh, your favorite uh, metas and everything. Let's watch some video essays. Um, it's been a busy few days. Yeah. Like you do. Like you do. Um, as I think I made aware before, there were no ghostwriters for these last two books. Um. They were, uh, K.A. came back for these last two. You can tell. You can tell. Uh. Yeah, um, I think I was saying to this to Danielle after finishing reading it. I have some qualms with the characterization, really only of Rachel in 53. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like there's a hard effort to recontextualize that in the opening chapters of 54. Mm-hmm. So as a pair of books, it grates on me less. But we do see a lot of very angry Rachel in 53. Not, to be fair, unfairly so. She has good reason to be pissed. Mm -hmm. But it feels very reductive when the characterization of everybody else feels pretty nuanced in 53. Mm -hmm. So book 54 has some great characterization for everybody. Yes. It does. Uh, one of the big things I said was, see, it is possible to actually write a good epilogue. <laughs> Get fucked, JK. Uh, for many reasons, uh, including your inability to end a story. <laughs> because I really, like Daniel said to me that there was going to be a little bit of a time skip in 54. I wasn't expecting quite so much of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like, yeah, it's like one year and then it's two years. Mm-hmm. Or, no, three? No. Yeah, yeah, it's three total. So yeah. one year and then two years. And the fact that so much of the book is actually after those time skips. Mm-hmm. And I like that they made that choice, but it was definitely something I wasn't necessarily expecting having read like other YA literature. And you can tell it was clearly important to K.A. to spend the time with these characters in the aftermath of the war. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the, like, final battle, as it were, happens in 53. Yeah, absolutely. And then 54 is a lot of tying up the ends. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just dive in. Yeah. Now, I want to give a shout-out to book 53 for a fucking wham of an opening line um shrug read the book a couple of days before i did and literally (laughs) he was like holy shit at the first line uh understandably so because literally it opens with tobias saying they're going after the elementary school (laughs) just to make it really clear where we're at um because the last book ended with the yerk pool being caved in Mm -hmm. and uh props to I said props to the Yerks, but literally what they're doing in this opening scene, and it's Marco, Jake, and Tobias in uh, or, or in Birds of Prey watching this happen. And the Yerks are basically using bug fighters and dragon beams to scorch the earth around the crater. Yep. 
in a, I think so, what was it described as like a mile rate, two mile radius yeah. around the crater. Mm-hmm. Um, and as your first reading, it, you think, oh, well, this is, is this spite? Now they're creating a no man's land. So yeah. they're going to be able to see if anybody is approaching. Yeah. It's an incredibly smart, upsetting <laughs> visual. Uh, I mean, the, people have cleared out. Like, there's mass evacuation happening. All the roads are fucked, so people are having to walk. But it's implied there isn't mass human casualties happening mm-hmm. when this is going on. But it is this this sort of decisive, in, uh, unmistakable move that the uh, that the Yerks are doing. And uh, just to make it clear uh, how dangerous Yerk technology is, at one point, uh, some what do they call it when uh, they send jets out after something like? Thank you. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we have our uh, Air Force liaison uh, live with us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but these like four F-16 jets, which are not like nothing planes. These are big deal jets. And they're just like wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um. And it is just this very clear statement. And the reason why the Yerks are doing it is because they want to land the pool ship here. Which makes sense, because the kids just blow up the Yerk pool and Yerk's got to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the visual of, and you, I think it's made clear, because it's one thing for them to describe the pool ship as being big when it's out in space, because scale, I think, is harder to reckon with. Mm-hmm. But seeing like this big-ass ship just like in the middle of this crater well no, no they park the pool ship next to the crater but in the middle of this like black scorched earth like yep. i think it's sort of briefly as a donut looking shape in like, the... like a big fat spider yeah um and then we get oh yeah we should mention that in the opening spiel because that was the other thing that made uh shrug and i both go oh dang yeah uh <clears throat> my name is jake my name is Jake Berenson. The days of secrecy of lurking in the shadows are over. The Yerks know my name. They know my height, weight, eye color, social security number, and favorite foods. At long last, they know the word anamorph, Marco's word for us. And he goes through the kind of general spiel. Uh, like, you know, his parents and his brother are all controllers, and the Yerks know everything about the anamorphs. Uh, and he says, I've fought them for more than three years. I was just 13 when I started. I'm 16 now. Though that fact, like so many facts, has been deliberately obscured in the secret accounts we've kept. I'm a 16-year-old kid named Jake Berenson. I am the leader of the Animorphs. Uh... In the past, it's been hard for me to say that, to take on the title of leader. In the past, I've questioned myself, wondered whether I was right, wondered whether I what I did was good, wondered whether I had any right to make life and death decisions. I've felt sorry for myself at times, maybe anyone would in my spot. But I had to put all that aside now. I had to put it all aside. Not because I was suddenly convinced that I deserved the power, was worthy of it. That wasn't it. I knew better than to get too caught up in the myth of Mighty mighty Jake the Yerk Killer. I had given up soul-searching because I realized now that it was simply too late. Way past too late. The battle had become a war, and I was, for better or worse, the only leader we had. From here on out, the second-guessing, the legitimate doubts, and the self-indulgent whining, they were over. 
Save them for my old age in the unlikely event that I ever had an old age. Um, so we get a couple of things here. We get the confirmation of his age and his last name and by association, Rachel's last name, because mm -hmm. Ra Rachel's dad and his dad are brothers. brothers. Um, and that they were 13 when this all started. Uh, th this, this whole, like, deliberately obscured the secret accounts we've all kept is, is K.A., like, legitimizing this weird, uh, narrative device of secret mm -hmm. journals, um, mm -hmm. that make, they're bad. <laughs> it's, a bad it's a clumsy attempt, is, <laughs> I think. Uh, it, if, it's, it's funny to me because, like, in... In many ways, it makes sense that, like, if the kids kept these journals and they're like, oh, yes, we're hiding our identity so good. And they're mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or, or, yeah, it, it, it's a little ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. the, on the only way it makes sense to me is if these accounts were, like, journals that they kept and hid in the woods or something. Sure. Um. Because there's, you know, Jake wouldn't be keeping this in his house. Yeah, absolutely not. Where, where Tom could potentially find it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, especially after the, um, oh god, the first, first the, the one where we get Elfangor's backstory. Uh huh. I can't remember if that's one of the side books or one. It's of the, the Andalite Chronicles. It is. Yeah. The, see, I was like, Hobbes Chronicles. No, no, what's no? There are no other chronicles. Yes, there are, Jade. Um. <laughs> But the the whole like mental projection of your last will and testament thing that mm -hmm. uh, the Andalites could do. I always felt like the books were meant to be evoking that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but also it's very YA of yes, the time just is. to have it like. Is, is. Yes, th th these are my journals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he goes on and talks about the war. Um, because what is an Animorphs book if you don't describe what's going on at the very beginning? Mm -hmm. Um, he talks about how, you know, they have had some victories. They destroyed the Yerk pool. Um, they freed Marco's mom and killed the original Visser One. Um, that they made new Animorphs. Um, and he says, but we had taken hits too. We had all been driven from our homes. We had lost all vestiges of a normal life. We now hid with the free hork in a valley deep in the mountains. And we had lost the morphing cube. The Yerks had it. My brother Tom had taken it, and when I might have stopped him, Cassie had let him and it go. With that act, Cassie had surrendered our edge, our one great advantage, that we alone had the power to morph. The Andalite technology was now in Yerk hands, and we had already seen that Yerks were using it, just as we had used it, to capture all the amazing powers to be found in the animal kingdom. The six of us, Marco, Rachel, Tobias, Axe, Cassie, and I, had stayed together through impossibly bad times, through every defeat, every close call, every mind-twisting weirdness, every horror. None of us had ever turned against the others. There had never been a betrayal. Cassie let Tom take the morphing cube. Perhaps she had done so because to her the alternative was worse. She feared for me. For my soul, I guess, if I was forced to kill my own brother. Not good enough. Not for me. All that counted now was that we win, and Cassie, maybe for the most decent of motives, had hurt us badly. 
I loved Cassie, always had, still did, but there was this thing between us now, and I could never trust her again. She had put my personal well-being ahead of winning a war we absolutely could not lose. And I knew that her decision might have come in part from my own self-doubts, my own inability to throw off moral ambiguity. If I had been stronger, if I had been as strong as I should be, maybe Cassie would not have made her fatal mistake. I saw that clearly now, too late for either of us. That was the other reason why I would allow myself no more second-guessing. A leader who shows weakness invites disaster. Nothing quite like both an incredibly mature and also childlike uh, understanding once more of leadership again. Yeah, from Jake. I find because they talk a lot about this. There's this much, so much of this language of winning, mm-hmm. and part of me feel, I guess, it's that adult perspective. Um, just like, do you ever really win a war? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with like events that come later. And how it's talked about, like, because if you win, it ends. And I can mm-hmm. understand, and it feels like a very, again, childlike or simple mm-hmm. understanding of it all. Mm-hmm. But there's something so fucking heartbreaking of Jake, as has been consistent throughout the books, of blaming himself for other people's fuck ups. Yeah. Because as the leader, he's supposed to not be mm-hmm. the reason for or let it happen. Mm hmm. It, um yeah we're gonna see a lot of jake uh jake and his i don't want to say lack of respect for other people's autonomy um but his feeling that he should have mm-hmm. that control over it mm-hmm. a lot of his actions and thought processes throughout the book we see that mm-hmm. and i feel like it maybe is part of showing to the reader that Jake has crossed a line already mm-hmm. before we see some of the truly heinous shit. And I don't take that lightly. Like, I have liked Jake more and more as the books have gone on, as he's become this more complicated character. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, I like me fucked up characters. I like me evil characters. I don't think Jake is that. But in this book, and it is this book, Mm-hmm. He does some things that are truly heinous. Mm-hmm. Like we were, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but like when in The Hague somebody points out that Jake did a heckin' war crime, they aren't wrong, <laughs> is the thing. And whether or not your approach to uh, viewing Jake's actions as justified or not, because it's a war, he is in like indescribable like a shitty position like and he struggles with these things it's not like he makes them easily and we see him reckoning with the consequences of his actions in real time Mm -hmm. and we see his guilt Mm -hmm. at doing this but also we see with it his he consoles himself with the knowledge that he's doing what has to be done Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is a scary thing to see. Because mm-hmm. plenty of people throughout history have done shitty things because they believed they were doing what needed to be done. And again, it's a very upsetting thing to read in a 16 year old. 
Mm-hmm. So. Make better choices, Kat. Yeah. Thank you. Ptolemy has entered the chat. Ptolemy <laughs> has left the chat. Uh, so they go back to the others and they have a... War uh, meeting. War meeting. Oh, we do have to... There's a pillar of smoke away from the crater that's... Be, the, the, the no man's yeah, land that's being created. South. Yeah. Um, and Jake, as they, they give all this information to the others, including the parents, and Jake muses on how much he hates these war council meetings. Yep. Specifically because he thinks there are too many people here. Um, mm -hmm. and so many opinions that aren't helpful, aren't helpful and kind of just hold them back. I do find it interesting that because the moment this is, um, all of the parents there, when he later has like, okay. I need the actual people. Like it becomes the Animorphs, Eva for her insight, and Toby. And James, I think. And James, yeah. Um, but yeah, like there there are people here whose opinions he respects and people here whose opinions he absolutely does not respect. <laughs> yeah. I, namely the parents yes. other than Eva. Mm-hmm. Um and, and uh, he is fighting against consistently their view of him yes. and the other animorphs. Yes. It's making everything he's doing harder yes it is uh because especially like rachel's mom and cassie's parents um they want their children not to be involved anymore understandably understandably so um yeah but it, it we, we don't really hear from peter or lauren yeah anymore in mm -hmm. these books to be yeah. fair they're mentioned as, yeah. as an element that's there but yeah that's it um so Jake basically uh, tells the others that, like, they need to attack the Yerk pool. Or not yeah. the Yerk pool, the pool ship. Um, it is obviously their target. If they can capture the Yerk, the pool ship, make better choices, Cat, uh, then they can... Uh, that is not a good choice. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I love that we have this back and forth about... Um, because they're like, well, the pool ship's got to go. Mm -hmm. uh, blow it up. And then I think it's Cassie mm -hmm. that uh, reckons, like, and this is really speaking to the parents after um, no, this before. It's just like, the question isn't whether or not they're going to do this. It's how they're going to do this. Exactly. And Rachel being like, no one's decided any such thing. My daughter is not going to be dragged into some suicidal undertaking like this. Rachel laughed. Rachel's not a person who'll be one way with her friends and another way with her family. There's only one version of Rachel. Mum, if we go, we go. Uh, if we go, I go. If we don't go, I still go. Uh, Vessel One parks his pool ship right out in the open and we're not going to ram it down his non-existent throat. I'm with Marco. Blow it up. Blow it up real good. And Jake hides a grin at this. Uh, Rachel is the original Nike girl. Just do it. Just do it. And if that doesn't work, do it harder and meaner. Uh, Toby is the one that points out it seems a waste to blow it up because there's going to be a lot of hosts mm -hmm. there, like a lot of hawk bajir that could be freed. Mm -hmm. um, and then the position is, what if we take the bullship? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Rachel's just like, this is my girl! <laughs> <laughs> she gets me. Uh, yeah, to the uh, <laughs> six and a half foot tall hawk bajir, Toby. Um, and they start talking about how this one's not going to expect that, but also it's impossible. 
uh, because of the amount of encryptions that are changed hourly and it'll take him so much time to break in. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time he's done one, the codes will have rolled over and he has to start again. Mm-hmm. And then everyone starts yelling again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jake's like, okay, that's enough. Thanks for coming. Uh, and Naomi's just like, you don't just dismiss us. And I just noticed that in previous iterations, Jake calls her Naomi, but in his head, we see him just refer to her as Rachel's mum. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting thing about dehumanization here and just like minimizing mm-hmm. who they are to make it easier to dismiss them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you don't just you just don't dismiss us, Rachel's mom. Yet. Sure, he does, mom. <laughs> Rachel said cheerfully, which just um, and then go, I need Rachel, Marco, Tobias, Axe, Toby, James, and Eva. I said I hadn't meant to inc- exclude Cassie. I really hadn't, but it was too late. She looked like I'd hit her. She blinked and turned quickly away, covering the moment with aimless chatter to her parents. Tobias gave me a dirty look. And if you think a red-tailed hawk's gaze is always a dirty look, you're close to being right. Still, I knew he was mad at me. Everyone was. Everyone but James, who was excited to be included, and Eva, who hadn't really caught up or caught what was going on with me and Cassie. And James is like, yeah, well, it's done now. The insult's delivered. I can't take it back. Um, But then we move into the meeting phase two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically jake is like all right uh rachel's mom is at least partly right we can't do this alone we need troops um and there jake lays out that like visser one is going to be expecting one of three things he's either going to expect a direct attack a direct attack or a direct attack that is cover for a second attack or a direct attack that is cover for an infiltration into the ship. Uh, But what he doesn't expect is a direct attack that is cover for the fact that they are already on board the pool ship. Um, It sounded good. Sounded like I had a plan. I did not. (laughs) Because he has no way, he doesn't know how he's going to get on board the pool ship. Um. He pulls Tobias and Marco aside because he's going to send them off on their own little missions. Uh, Tobias gets right to the point. What you did to Cassie was beyond wrong. <laughs> and he's just I don't have time, Tobias. Because <laughs> he's asked, like, did you see the smoke to the south? And he's just like, bitch, we're talking about this. <laughs> so he sends Tobias out to go investigate the smoke. And uh, If you can spare the time from busting me. Yeah. Um, and he puts Marco on the combination task of A, figuring out who's in charge of the forces in the area, and B, finding Eric the Chi. Um, they don't know where the Chi are. The house that was the king's house has been, it was in the radius that was destroyed. uh Um, but it probably didn't destroy the underground part of their home. Um... And, and like right before Marco heads out, Jake's like, I really didn't mean to do that to Cassie. Uh, and Marco's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. sure, I'm sure, going. sure, buddy, I'm going. Yeah. Uh, Tobias finds out that the pillar of smoke is, uh, the Yurks building a new above ground Yurk pool. Mm-hmm. Like straight up just blasting well, mm. slash blasting slash using taxons to dig a big hole mm-hmm. that they're going to fill with jerk pool sludge 
I, I have to give a shout out to this fucking army general that Marco it, it finds out is the local. Um, mm-hmm. Because this is an incredible name. And also my public, that nobody is called that. And then I remembered, y'all have some buck wild names here in the States. Just like, <laughs> look, to be clear, we have buck wild names in the UK, but they sound more like Andalite names, frankly, with all the fucking hyphens when they start getting weird. I'm here with my one syllable first name, one syllable last name. Like, mm-hmm. okay. But General Sam Doubleday is. <laughs> We're going to meet him later. He actually rocks. He does. We we like Sam Doubleday, but as names go, I look at that and go, really? <laughs> really? Okay, but they're hiding out in like uh, fallout shelters uh, in nearby in a mm-hmm. hollowed out mountain. Yeah. Um, and Jake's like, all right, uh, us six Animorphs are going to go uh, talk to this general. Yeah, um, we'll get the leave- auxiliaries to watch the camp. Yep. But the core group of Animorphs are going to go see the general. Uh, actually, no, James can come with us. And Tobias is just like, well, you need to go ask Cassie yourself. Mm-hmm. And Jake's just like, Mark, I'll let everyone know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just avoiding looking at Tobias at this point. Yeah. Um, reflecting that he doesn't often feel like a coward, but in this moment he really does. Yeah. Because he recognizes he's hiding from Cassie in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But hey, time to infiltrate a base. Yep. Uh, they do a pr- they do an incredible job, and I yep. will say the one the pageantry of this, mm-hmm. and two just the f- sheer chill factor. Because mm-hmm. they're getting in Dragonfly morph. Jake finds his way to like the control room. What do they call it? ATE one Alien Task. Alien Task Force one. Yeah. Uh, and he just like sits on the fucking table in the middle of this room, demorphs, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first, it's just sort of like, don't shoot him. Everyone's freaking out. And he's just like, hey, General, I'm Jake. <laughs> uh, they arrest him immediately because, like, I think he describes himself as being just under six feet tall mm-hmm. uh, in this. And he's always been Big Jake. So, and also just like somebody appearing in the middle of your secret military base yeah. is bad. Um, and to, to General Doubleday's credit, he immediately assumes that Jake is one of the aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody in the room, a major, either a controller or an idiot, uh, threat is like, let me shoot him. <laughs> um, but they look him away, throw him into a cell. Three minutes later, he's demorphing in front of Doubleday again. And this happens a few times. They sh- handcuff, shackles, duct tape, uh, hog tied into the cell, chained to the cot back in three minutes. Um, General, why don't you stop being stupid and listen? Mm-hmm. Uh, he stopped being stupid, but not until the fourth time I demorphed <laughs> in front of him. And then he narrows his, okay, Mr. Alien, what have you got to say to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jake explains, look, I'm not an alien. I just have morph technology. I'm on your side, but I need your help to provide a diversion for this attack. Um, I know how to hurt the Yerks in a way that they won't be able to brush off, but I need your help to provide a diversion. And the general's just like, you need my help. You you see these stars? I'm a, I'm a general. Yeah. What are you talking about? And Jake is so unflappable. This is a great scene it for is. Jake. And he talks about like all the shit. He's like, this is the least intimidating. Yeah. Um, 
And I do like that we have this really chilling line. Mm-hmm. Um, the chain of command is almost certainly infiltrated by Yerks. So is this base, probably even this room. You don't know if the orders you get are legitimate or not. You don't know if the orders you give out are going to be obeyed. Your power extends only as far as the first controller in your staff, mm-hmm. which is just mwah, mm-hmm. love that. Yep. But the Baldwin brother looking <laughs> colonel is uh there's definitely controllers in the room because they're just like, we need to kill him. We need to kill him, General. General, we need to kill this kid. Yep. Uh, a lot of people draw guns um, ready to kill the General and or Jake. Um, Enter Wolf from under the table. <laughs> yes. And then Cassie and Axe and Marco come out. Um, and and Tobias and Rachel are there in human morph. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, they're uh, all here to back up Jake and take control of the room. Uh, but also the Yerks are here now. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously one of the controllers got word out to mm-hmm. the, the Yerks proper that, hey, the Animorphs are here. Um, there's a battle. It is a rough battle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they're like effectively bombing... The Yerks are effectively bombing this place. Like mm-hmm. it's described like this big booming mm-hmm. sound. Um, and then they send in their Horkbajir shock troops. Um, there's I love the fake out. We get a little one from Rachel in Horkbajir Morph, mm-hmm. just being like, S- "Guys, what the fuck are you doing? Stop shooting." Do like that we get some Horkbajir cursing in there. Uh, very good. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Um. At which point, uh, they're made pretty quickly, which mm-hmm. just goes to tell that how on alert the Yerks are. Mm-hmm. Um, then Axe just does his bit, and because Yerks are Yerks, the immediate reaction is to go, <gasps> Andalite, uh, for some reason. Um, but this is a fucking gnarly fight. Mm-hmm. Hardcore gnarly. Uh, they get the general out, um, and Marco's fully prepared to come back and help, mm-hmm. um, and Jake tells him to stay away. Uh, and Double Day is on their side. Yeah. He's like, "Don't hit the tiger or the blue thing," and because uh, Rachel and Tobias are currently Horpajir, mm-hmm. and like Jake, because you need to get out of there so you don't get shot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jake is downed. Yep, one of the Hork- one of the Does he get sliced through, yeah, severs his, his spine, so he's paralyzed. He has to demorph. Axe uh, takes up position over him to kind of cover him while he demorphs. Fantastic visual. Yeah. I think this might be one of the first times that we've seen the kids utilizing this fact that they can demorph in the middle of a battle now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if everyone knows they can morph, there's no secret to keep, is exactly. there? Um, and as Jake is struggling to demorph, uh, there is a soldier, like... Oh, the lone controller that stays on task, yeah. frankly. Yeah, uh, who is just aiming at Jake, um, hits him a couple of times, once along the side of his head. Um, Rachel comes in to back up Axe. He's still having trouble demorphing. Um, and then- James and Falcon Morph takes out the controller that's aiming at Jake. And aside of how loopy Jake is as he's losing blood and consciousness, thanks, James. That was very nice of you. Yep. And Marco tells him to demorph. Jake finally 
uh, is able to demorph. They this, win the battle. Yeah, and this really convinces Double Day. Go figure. <laughs> um, and Jake explains, like, yeah, you are going to need to lock down for three days in your fullback position mm-hmm. and you'll know who you can trust after that. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't lock down and watch that many people. And Jake points out, like, a better 100 men you can trust than 10,000 you can't. Mm-hmm. Which And Double Day agrees, but that's three days that they have to wait. Yes. So now they've got to go sort of uh, check in on the New York pool construction. Yep. And they figure uh, it's actually Cassie who is the one who points out that they don't need to destroy the project they just need to destroy the taxons who are building it yeah it's she phrases it first as the digging equipment yeah um we love to see dehumanization in the general sense of taxons yeah she i mean it's she does like go on to say yeah and and she she starts to say it first and then stops herself and then when everyone else is like well spit it out cassie Mm -hmm. um she says you can't worry about the hole you have to destroy the digging equipment yeah uh and jake is like the equipment is taxons and she just kind of looks away and marco's like whistles softly Mm -hmm. (laughs) nodding respectfully at cassie Uh um yeah it's it's brutal Mm -hmm. um because there isn't an endless supply of taxons. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> like, they got to go liaise with Toby. Cassie's sent to go get James and his crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to go tonight. Mm-hmm. Marco, I, oh, man, I'm just getting over this morning's fun. It's just like, eat your dry-style granola. <laughs> That's Rachel, you need your strength. Mm-hmm. Right, now this. Oh, we get some musing about the, the Civil War. Yep. Uh, this, about this, how. This is chilling yeah please yeah please let's let's hear about uh jake's special interests (laughs) at the beginning of the american civil war both sides thought the war was about taking or holding cities and ports and rivers and mountain passes they thought it was a chess game by the end of the war they'd figured out that they weren't playing chess cities didn't matter much ports and rivers and mountain passes while useful were secondary to the real game The real game was destruction. Lincoln had figured it out earlier than most, and his generals, Ulysses S. Grant, William Tecumseh Sherman, and Philip Sheridan, made it happen. They burned enemy homes and farms. They burned crops in the field and slaughtered farm animals and wrapped railroad tracks around trees. They starved the enemy. They realized that warfare was no longer about chivalry and honor, but about killing the enemy. Find the enemy. Kill the enemy. Kill so many of them that those who are left alive lose their will to fight on. Do whatever it takes. That's the way war has been ever since. For a long time, we'd fought the Yerks reactively. We were always ten steps behind, trying to foil this plan or that plan. We'd tried to fight the war with at least some vestige of decency, and maybe that had been okay when things were, when we were fighting to stop an infiltration. Now things were different. We were down to the final stages. Either the Yerks would prevail or we would. So I gave simple orders to my people, the original Animorphs and the auxiliary Animorphs, and Toby's free pork Orders I had never given before. Kill the enemy. Kill the taxons. Dress it up however you want. That's what war is about. If there's glory in there somewhere, I must have missed it. It's one of those things, briefly, like, I'm an English person, as you all know. 
Uh, I've never studied the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Why would I? Like, I've never been a history person, and it's not part of British school curriculum. The fact that I know the names Ulysses S. Grant and William T. Sherman uh-huh. says something about the prevalence of US media and US history mm-hmm. and how much it shapes so much of the sorry i did just get distracted by discord because a certain somebody has listened to the most recent episode of dumb kids now <laughs> and is uh that fair shouting about it uh they're right too it's very good but what happens next is and and jake is right to describe it as it is because this is just as mass slaughter it's been established time and time again that taxons as they generally exist are very easy to hurt and that couple because they don't have an end an, um, an exoskeleton or anything like that they're very soft and once one is bleeding it kicks off the hell hunger and they're quick to cannibalize wounded uh comrades because of how they're forced to live. Like, it's not like the Yerks are giving them extra food or anything. You keep them hungry. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, Yerk High Command does to Yerks as well. Mm-hmm. There's something that we've chatted about briefly. Well, oh no, you get to feed once every three days. Yep. Um, but this is nasty. This is a knockout sort of drag kind of a fight. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly well described. Like, getting a KA battle scene is great. Uh, but it's also, it makes you realize when we've talked about the kids getting more and more violent, more controllers dying, mm-hmm. still clearly an effort has been made. Like, killing the enemy hasn't been the goal. Mm-hmm. It's been a byproduct or a consequence of what they've been trying to do. These children, and I stress this children and Hawk Bajir, who are often characterized as having a less than adult level of emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. in a whole killing sapient creatures Mm -hmm. and it's rough Mm -hmm. um like there's something about the description of like a wild african elephant burying tusks into a taxon's raised chest and just ripping it in half Mm -hmm. um we get the neat little detail of how smart both Marco and Axe fight because um, you only need a little injury on a taxon for it to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake does describe this as a one-sided massacre. Yeah. But they use what's another thing to add on to the upsetting this is this is just wave one. This yep. is just the Animorphs doing this. And when the security forces, like the Yerk security team kicks in, that's when the auxiliaries dive into the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then join in the, hawk, the free hawk Bajir. Bajir. And uh, Jake thinks to himself, two more minutes and then we bail. Because he, he is keeping track of, you know, we're, we're balancing the Yerk response versus the damage they can do. Doing enough damage they can, as they can. Because bug fires are going to be scrambled mm-hmm. out to take, and like they are sitting ducks. They are in a hole. Mm-hmm. Like there's nowhere to go. Yep. Um, but he finally calls the retreat. Yeah. It, he says it's one minute too many. The bug fighters arrive. They start opening fire. They don't care who they hit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're killing everything that's in this hole. It's literally um, fish in a barrel. 
Yep. And and Jake gives the order to retreat. Um, but before he can get out, the ground open opens up beneath him. Do we think it's literally the ground giving way because it's a digging site, or do you think it was? I think the ground. I think the ground gives way. It because, isn't. Yeah. Who we find out. Yeah. It makes it because also tigers are fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think the second one because he falls first into mm. a tunnel and then he falls again into a shaft, and I think the first fall mm. might. Might have been an accident, but the second one definitely wasn't. Yeah. Um, he falls for 30 seconds. That's which so is, long. Which is a long time to be falling. Um, and he's he falls so far that he is out of thought speak range of everybody. Which we know is about a mile-ish? Or is that, it, is it, that Probably shorter than that. Yeah. Um, and... This is such a good scene that's mm-hmm. about to happen because uh, he slides down this chute um, and there's dim light enough for him to see that there are three taxons here, just three, mm-hmm. uh, each with a dragon beam. And he is like, oh, I can't fight three. One, I could get one, mm-hmm. but with dragon beams as well, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, but hey, uh, thought speak. Cuts him. Please do not attack. We mean you no harm. And that immediately gets Jake. Jake freezes in place. Because he is not expecting this. And he uh, reflects he has the strangest impression that it's an Andalite thought speak voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, thought speaking taxon wanted to speak to him. Yep. And Jake only agrees if they put the dragon beams down, which they readily not, do. Not even that. He says, okay, so speak. You've got the dragon beams. Oh, yeah, beams. no, you're right. I guess I'll listen. And then uh, the taxons all drop their weapons. Um, and they say, now we are at your mercy to kind of drive home this idea that they really want to parley. Yeah. Um, and Jake's like, okay, let's talk. And the taxon introduces himself as Arbron, who we know, who was... Uh, Elfangor's fellow Aris um, and, through the Anderlite Chronicles. And he introduces him such, and he says, his words are, I am, was, an Anderlite Aris. And Jake just shoots back, you're a taxon. Um, and Albon's like, your friend Tobias is a hawk, which, you know, fair point. <laughs> and, this, and Jake rapidly realized, oh, okay, so you're stuck as a taxon. And He's horrified by this. Mm-hmm. And Arbron, because Arbron is a class fucking act. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah, I'm a taxon. I have been for more years than I can easily count. I was on the taxon homeworld with two Andalites of your acquaintance. One was Alora and Semitor Karas. Vissel one, not then, but yes. Um, and then reveals that he uh, knew Elfangor. Mm-hmm. Which is enough to like take the wind right out of Jake's sails. Um... But it's enough, it, if, any, if it hadn't convinced him before to listen, like I think that name drop, mm-hmm. like this is somebody who Elfangor trusted. Mm-hmm. Because Elfangor is held up by the kids, obviously, yeah. as this like pinnacle of everything. Um, but Arbron explains that he wants to be free. Um, and Jake's like, you're a controller? No, I have no yerk within me. We want to be free. We all want to be free. And uh, here we get into the uh, genocide by assimilation that uh, we were warning about. Because Arbron's pitch is that that is 
they want to escape the curse of being taxons. And Garbron goes on to explain that they want the morphing power, uh, that the taxons could morph, acquire some more benign shape and find a safe haven on somewhere on Earth, become something other than what they are and escape their hunger. Um, because they now, because the taxons have learned about morphing, it's it's described as like it's a virus. This knowledge, because mm-hmm. it's all any of them could think about. Yeah. What if I could be something else and not feel this way all the time? Mm-hmm. And Jake's like, they want to just the taxons want to stop being taxons. And I was like, yeah. My people have seen a better way, a way out of this, li- a life of eternal excruciating pain and hunger, a hunger that has made us slaves of the Yerks. We can get into the ethics. Well, yeah, we'll get into the ethics in a bit. Yeah. Um, and Jake doesn't know what to say to this because the logistics of giving an entire species the power to morph, um, especially given the fact they don't currently have the cube. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arbron's like clearly susses out that Jake's clearly having some processing issues in this mm-hmm. moment. Um, and Arbron's like, look, Jake. And he keeps referring to him as Jake the Animorph. Like, this is the, the respect that Arbron is showing him. He's like, look, I've been a leader of these people for many years. We have fought the hunger, resisted as well as we could. And he has tried to show the taxons a better way, but the need is too powerful. The hunger is breaks down any resistances that they may have. Because the Yerks provide the food. And Arbron was like, he he knows the morphing technology isn't going to save him. He is forever going to be a taxon, but it can save his people. And then once the rest of the taxons are free of this, he can lay down the burden of leadership. Yeah. And Jake, to his credit, is honest with them. He says, we don't have the morphing cube anymore. And Arbron is like, we know. We know that Visser One has it. Um... And the only way we can be free is if you and not the Yerks are victorious. Because Visser One has categorically... Stop it! (laughs) Hey! Come here. Hush, I'll let you out in a minute. Um, Because Visser One has categorically refused to give any tax on controller the morphing power. At all. If it wasn't clear just how little they think of their taxons. Yeah. Um, And Jake is like... You you would literally turn on the Yerks in order to get to, this. To get this, and Arbron is like, "Yes, we would fight with you." There are one thousand seven hundred and nine non-controller taxons on the surface of this planet and aboard the pool ship, and we taxons would fight with you. Do we want to talk ethics of this now? Well, let's wait until we we have more of it. The the morph that they pick for them. Okay. I love the visual of Jake showing back up at the Hawkbajir Valley because they had literally given him up for dead. Yep. Which makes sense. Like, that was a hellscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that Marco was going to make a big thing of it. Oh, there you are. So I guess I can't have your CD collection after all. <laughs> I fucking love Marco. <laughs> yeah. Cassie comes running up, crying, but she stops herself from hugging Jake. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, the first thing that Jake asks is, did they lose anyone? He asks her to stay first. He asks her to stay. And then he asks Marco if they lost if they lost anyone. Marco says they lost three of Toby's people and one of James's people. The guy named Ray. And you, or so we thought. Um, 
and we've seen Ray before in previous books. He uh, liked the leopard. Mm. More, he, he's dev- I think he was the one who like jumped down off a shipping container in the last book and mm. helped out. Like, mm-hmm. well, to be fair, he's one of the few named auxiliaries we have. But yeah, um, James's people are taking it extremely hard. Um, uh, but. Jake asked, how are they taking it? And Marco's like, about as well as we were taking your death, Jake. Uh, Not what do you good. think? <laughs> Not well. Um, Rachel arrives, says that they took out a lot of taxons. Uh, um, and we get this, this happens a couple of times mm-hmm. in the next couple of books. And this feels, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was griping about it before. Because she shows up looking impeccably dressed, mm-hmm. looking like she's just stepped out of a day spa, despite the fact that it's not yet six in the morning mm-hmm. um, and hasn't spent the night in one of these log shacks, as it's described uh, in the book. And I feel like there's something about the way Rachel is so often described as being untouchable mm-hmm. that says something about how the others see her that mm-hmm. I feel is it's like any pedestal it's does the person a disservice yes it makes me sad yes um uh Cassie asks if the whole thing was worth it um and Jake goes up to her and takes her hands and says I think this time it was worth it because I have some fucking news yeah um, uh, get tells, get everybody get everybody um they got 15 minutes to get up and get some tap caffeine. Um, they take 20, but he lets it go. Um, but Marco is badgering him for the secret the whole time. Uh, naturally. Best this, friend things. And again, this is the first use of frowsy. Yeah. <laughs> this, this word is used twice in these books, and I have never seen this word before nope, in my life. Nope, me neither. Apparently it is a word. It means disheveled. Like sleep. <laughs> See, frowsy just to me is like frowny and drowsy. Yes. I th- I thought it was a made up word that yeah. was like just this this mismatch yeah. mishmash, but like it's not. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out. I say a shout out. Naomi just taking no fucking prisoners, uh, and possibly showing just a deep insight into this group dynamic because she's just like you're alive. Rachel's mum said, not seeming too happy about it. Just like just brutal. Fucking hell, Naomi. But you can see, like, the way Naomi talks about and to Jake, like, he is, she's pinning the blame on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but, like, Mark is like, hard to kill. I've been tempted repeatedly during <laughs> the last 20 minutes or so. Um, and even Axe is pouty. She's like, I'm very happy to see your life, Prince Jake, but why have I been pulled away from finishing my morning rituals? Because he'd be hangry, apparently. <laughs> um. And Jake just kind of goes out with it. Um, he says that the taxons want to defect um, and they're ready to turn against the Yerks. And everybody is just like, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. What? Um, and all but Cassie, who sighed as if she'd been holding her breath for weeks. Um, and Jake's like, you knew, didn't you? And she shakes her head. I, ho- I hoped that was all I hoped. Um, and Marco is the one who gets it next. Oh my God. It's the morphing. That's it, isn't it? The Yerks got a taste of morphing. The taxons have figured out that they could do it too. Um, and Jake's like, yeah, uh, they're led by Arbron, who sa- who says he was a former companion of Elfangor's. And <laughs> Axe is like, 
Arbron? The, the like, Arbron? <laughs> the one who was presumed dead? What? Um, and Tobias is like, you, you believe this shit? And mm-hmm. Jake's like, it doesn't make any sense for it to be a trap. If they wanted me dead, they could have just had me dead. If they wanted me, like, they could have taken me as a controller. Yeah. And, you know, all of that. So it doesn't yeah. make sense. I, we get the first insight uh, from Axe, because Axe is just like, no, nah, they're not going to agree. Yeah. Um, because the morphing technology is considered, like, the crown jewel of mm-hmm. Andalite science. They're already furious it's spread as, as far as the five of you and Vissa one. They do not know that Tobias's mother is morph capable. They do not know about the auxiliary animals. They do not know that the Yerks have a cube. Uh, they'll refuse. And Cassie's on the points out, are they that stubborn? Are they that stupid? Um, which Axe takes better than Axe of a, like 40 books ago would have done. Um, like he's, ang- he's angry, but he like just points out like, what they'll say is a trick. He, we see his understanding mm-hmm. of them. Um, and Jake points out they've agreed to go uh, Northlet. Marco points Under out. supervision, specifically. Yeah. Um, which Marco's like, they're not going to trust us that far. And Rachel's like, the Adelaide High Command could drop dead. What good have they ever been to us? Where are they? We've always been their last priority. They've done squat for us. They're sitting up at a safe distance, waiting to see if we win or lose. If we win, they'll pat us on the head and say, good inferior species, good girl. Here's a doggy treat. I'm now annoyed about this line, and you know why. Uh, here's a doggy treat. And if we lose, what are they going to do? No one had an answer to that. Then Cassie said, Axe, you need to tell them. Axe looked startled, his stork eyes jerked towards Cassie. It's time to choose, Axe, Cassie said very quietly. Once and for all. We all know what Alora did to the Hawk-Bajir world, trying to keep them from falling into Yerk hands. The Andalites won't allow Earth to fall to the Yerks, will they? Uh, because, hey, wasn't just Tobias doing a little <laughs> sneaky sneak, following Axe out for his midnight calls to the Andalite homeworld. Uh, Cassie was a flea on his back. Mm-hmm. Which feels weird. I wish it had been Tobias that said something, yeah. and not Cassie. Um, but whatever. Cassie sneaking along to listen does feel in character. It does. But it does feel like that sidestepping of Tobias. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... Especially because <laughs> Tobias doesn't have as much of a strong presence. Yeah. But this book does feel like a lot of it is trying to rehabilitate Cassie. This is true. Like, narratively speaking. Yeah. So... Um, I Axe, love Axe just being like, it's got big that energy. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> people take it well. I'm yeah. lying. He 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 tells everybody that he has at times contacted the Andalite fleet without telling anyone. Um, we get this wild <laughs> reaction from Rachel. I'll kill you myself, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, I think we've talked about before about Rachel more than the others has a lot more beef with the Andalites, mm-hmm. but this seems like way yeah. too extreme. Considering she didn't do that to Cassie, um, mm. like she was angry at Cassie, but she wasn't, I'm going to kill you, Cassie. Yeah. And like, you can make an argument that like, Axe is more othered by the others than Cassie is. Yeah. And this is an act of betrayal that feels like 
the betrayal is the point as opposed to the betrayal is the effect of what Cassie did. But either yeah. way, it's too much mm-hmm. and it feels unfair. Yeah. Um, Jake is furious uh, and Cassie is like, uh, backs Axe up and says that he's already defied them. They ordered him to stop their attack on the York pool and he disobeyed. Um, and Rachel's mom is the one who asked, like, why would they tell him to not to stop us from destroying the York Pool. And Eva is the one who points out that, oh, well, obviously the Andalites want the Yurks to concentrate their forces here because then they can kill them off in one fell swoop. Um, Take out the bulk of the Yurk race along with the human race. And then an X confirms this, that this is, this is what the Andalites are planning. Um, And Jake is uh, understandably distraught by this. Yeah. They've just found an ally and now they've lost one. A really big one. Yeah. And and it's less losing an ally ally and Mm. more gaining a very formidable enemy. Like, if Mm -hmm. they don't win this now, the Andalites will destroy them. Yeah. Um, And Mm. Tobias uh, asks Axe what they can do to stop the Andalites. And Axe points out, well, um, you must understand that the Andalite High Command is not the entire Andalite electorate. This long war has made them a greater part of our civilization than they should rightly be. The Andalite electorate, the people, do not know what is planned. So how do we tell them, Marco said. Anytime we dial up that communicator my dad invented, it just reaches the Andalite fleet. And Axe says, we take the Yurkpool ship. We use its power to contact the non-military Andalite communications net. We tell the Andalite people what has happened, what we've done, and what we have promised the taxons. Will the Andalite people back us, Tobias asked. Axe looked grim. Will your people? Will they allow taxons to morph and live in peace on this planet? Will your people choose trust over hatred and revenge? That put it back in my court. I didn't have an answer. And Jake is like, all right, well, I don't. I promised the taxons that I'd show them a morph that would work for them, demonstrate the possibilities, um, because he, you know, the taxons don't know much about Earth animals. Uh, and he looks to Cassie like, "What could I show them that would work?" Um, and she thinks about. Uh, mm. She she figures out. Oh, I know. Um, At first, we have this detail about her being like second guessing herself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd be guessing. Uh, and Jake points out, Cassie, you guessed that letting Tom take the morphing cube might weaken rather than strengthen the Yergs. You guessed that Axe was, I stifled the most bitter word that came to mind, conflicted. I'll back your guess any day of the week. I think that means he's sorry he doubted you and treated you like crap, Rachel said archly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Come on, Cassie, show me where to go next. Yeah. Chapter 12 is so cute. It's really cute. So they go to the gardens which is I lo- it, it was outside of the destruction zone yep and um, this actually tracks of every bit of post-apocalyptic fiction i've ever mm-hmm. read every time there's a natural disaster there are always a few people that go to zoos mm-hmm. to look after the animals there because people are actually in fact good mm-hmm. um like things aren't clean and and like a lot of stuff is not working well but they're being fed Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassie takes him to the snake house. Uh, her idea is anaconda. I cannot believe this zoo has a fucking anaconda. Oh, but I believe it. That's such a, I'm, I'm English. That's such a big snake. Yeah. Uh, they, 
they don't keep yeah i suppose mostly I, I suppose they just lay around i suppose a constrictor is not like if a constrictor gets out worst yeah. case scenario like you want to keep it away from people, but it's like more chill as opposed yeah. to something like a, a spitting cobra or something that yeah. moves super fast. Anacondas are big. Yeah, and places keep cobras and shit like that, so like it's not. This is not weird. Um. It, it's just a lot to me, uh-huh. I guess. But um, and I like the anaconda is the choice that Cassie makes. It's already pretty similar, or in- similar in body shape. And it's size, large. It's, yeah, and and more importantly, they have very slow metabolisms. Yeah, they can go a very long time between meals. Yeah, and they're also a predator species. Yes, and uh, also Jake, Jake I love is, it. They're native to the Amazon. Yes, and Jake's just like he he clocks I this. I see you, Cassie, <laughs> and he's and she's right because like yeah, let's put a bunch of taxons in the Brazilian rainforest. <laughs> Ain't no one gonna go in there after that. Yeah. The agreement would stop destruction of the rainforest dead in its tracks. Basically, like, if we put the taxons there, the area would have to be protected uh-huh. by whatever this treaty is. Um, and See, this, to me, is the good side of, like, making Cassie both an environmentalist. Yes, it is. Like, this is perfect. This is, like, showing the way she has both of these things in her head at any given time. Yes. That's a really nice narrative way that... She's a little bit embarrassed by it. And mm-hmm. when Jake calls her out, well, yeah, why wouldn't we make something good happen out of this mm-hmm. thing that we have to do? Yeah. Um, and Cassie basically points out, like, this would be very different from the restless demands of life for a taxon. There's a lot of sitting in the sun involved. Florida retirement for taxons. Yeah. Um, I love like- it. It's perfectly safe. It's a snake the size of a palm tree. She's like, don't be a baby. <laughs> um. And he does. He acquires the morph, and Cassie gives away like the hardest things. He's going to be staying awake. Mm-hmm. And then, hi, hello. We reach the teen drama portion of the chapter. It's to be. I I say that I shouldn't be so dismissive because this is actually very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, and Jake, I'm just going to read it. Yeah, please. Cassie, you ever wonder what happens if we win? You ever think about that all the time? Nothing will ever be the same. People will know the galaxy is full of life, full of intelligent species. We'll have this huge rush of technological change. There'll be nothing to stop us from being a space-traveling species. Humans on the moon, on Mars, maybe colonizing planets all around the galaxy. And there's the morphing technology. Can you imagine what that's going to mean? Cassie nodded. I guess I don't think about that stuff so much. I guess I think more about us. You and me. And all of us. I took her in my arms. The anaconda's habitat was probably not the most romantic place on Earth, but it felt safe. You know I love you. I love you too, Jake, she said, and put her head on my shoulder. I guess if we win, if we survive, maybe we should, you know, get married and all. I mean, eventually. I know we're young, but man, we've been through enough that it should count for a few extra years, shouldn't it? I don't know what I expected her answer to be, but I didn't expect her to start crying and not tears of joy, either. I would like that eventually, she said. But, but what? She sighed. But, Jake, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? Guess I thought I'd go to college, I said. And study what, Jake? Me? I'll go to college, I'll become a doctor, I'll never forget what's happened, I'll never even try, but I'll be able to slip back into normal life. But you, Jake? 
I shrugged and released her and stood away a bit. I'm not Rachel, you know. I didn't fall in love with the fight. I don't need it like she does. I do it, I try and do it well, but it's just a job, a duty. I tried to make a joke of it. I mean, what do you think? The Pentagon is going to call me up and make me chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? I'm not even old enough to enlist as a private. She didn't laugh. She just looked at me. Look, Cassie, when this is over, I'll be done with it forever. I'll go back to school, get an education, go to basketball games, get a driver's license, go to college, figure out what it is I really want to do. And be with you. You and me. She forced a smile. A year after it ends, if it ends, if we win, a year afterward, if you want to be with me, we'll talk about that again, okay? I have to wait a year? Kind of harsh, isn't it? Hey, if we get married, Marco isn't going to live with us, is he? Cassie said, trying to do her best to jolly us both out of our dark moods. It didn't work. For the first time, I could taste the faint possibility of actual victory, despite the probable Andalite betrayal. The taxons might be joining us. For so long, I'd fought with no hope at all. I should be excited. I should be happy. And that's it. I'm so glad that Cassie realistically turns him down. Yeah, uh, this was one of the things uh, I talked about. Like, This is such an incredible level of emotional maturity. Because Cassie has, is also traumatized. Mm-hmm. Cassie has been struggling with the fact that Jake has been mad at her, believing he was right to do so also. Mm-hmm. But this is her establishing boundaries for herself in a way that is so healthy in spite of everything. Yeah. And I love her for this. Yeah. Because I think it'd be real easy for so often just like, oh, and at the end they got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's always a bad thing. Like people that go through horrible shit together end up becoming romantically entangled as well. Uh, Shout out to the Hunger Games, because I think that was an instance of it being done incredibly well mm-hmm. without minimizing the trauma. But Jake's like, well, the war will be done, I will be fine, and we can be married. Mm-hmm. And it's still a very childlike understanding. And Cassie's right in her mm-hmm. assessment. Like, you don't know what you want to do. Like, and that understanding of him clinging to her because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. Because they've gone through this thing together. Mm-hmm. It's like, why wouldn't I want to be with you? Mm-hmm. And her, but things also, she turns down the proposal, yes, but also it's not a no, it's a not now. Mm-hmm. It's a very gracious thing to say. It's just like, ask me again in a year if you still want to. Because mm-hmm. she's not letting him tie himself to it out of obligation either right like she doesn't want him to be trapped right any more than she wants to be trapped herself Mm -hmm. 